Welcome to the Oyster Stew Podcast. I'm Bob Mooney, General Counsel for Oyster Consulting. FINRA's Consolidated Audit Trail, or CAT, continues to evolve from account-centric trade reporting requirements to now including customer-centric case reporting. Join us for part two of our discussion with Mark Hendrickson from DA Davidson about where CAT's case stand today, the pain points members are facing, and what firms should be doing to manage the current and upcoming reporting requirements. Let's open it up a little bit and and look at it across the industry. Um, Mark, from your role on the SIPMA Advisory Committee and, and Buddy and Ralph from running our solutions platform, and certainly from, from the number of inquiries we're seeing on, on engagements, what's your sense of, of where the industry is? Is it across the spectrum, people way behind to people being proactive, or, or do you think the industry's trying to keep up and, and get this right? I think they are. I mean, I think that it runs the gambit as as always, right? But I, I think for the most part, I don't want to call cat trade reporting mature as of yet. I, I don't think it'll be mature until long after I retire. But I think it's to the point now where people understand, barring the open questions we have, obviously, we have a lot of um, ambiguity around quote reporting, right? Whether it's verbal or whether it's electronic, we still have some lingering questions around representative orders. But I do think it's mature in the sense that firms know what events they need to be reporting based upon the use case. Whether it's stuff that that FINRA made up that doesn't really happen in the real world, but I think most firms know what what those requirements are. Now, I say most firms, right? I think we are going to see more and more fines coming out from firms, not by any nefarious activity, right? They just didn't know. They were drinking from a fire hose. Their cat reporting agent was missing something, and they just didn't have visibility into it. I think what firms need to focus on, again, is that they need to be looking at this, right? Because FINRA is not going to come in and accept a breakdown over a multi-year period. I mean, we're in 2023 now. Me trying to wave the white flag and say, hey, it's not my fault when we started CAT trade reporting 2A and 2B in, in, in 2020. If I were on the other side of the fence, I'd say that's bullshit. You know, you know what the requirements are. And if you had a problem with them, you had a venue such as my role on the advisory committee, right? Um, to be able to tell us that this isn't workable, right? And so I, I don't think we have many excuses left on the cat trade reporting side. On the case side, you know, that's that is, as we all know, that's been quite painful, right? We have had to educate them on what a trust account is. Believe it or not, we've had to I've had to spend innumerable hours with the examiners explaining to them how we set up trust accounts and what our obligations are under KYC and 17 AC3. It's been exhausting, but firms need to really pay attention to that because they are going to be coming in and they are going to be questioning us on our on what we're reporting on the case side. So people need to really shift if they haven't already to look at their their case reporting. So. Yeah, and those are actually different different resources. Steve Kuss recently joined our team and he he made a very good point that account 
onboarding teams are different than transaction reporting teams and they might not understand all the requirements or how they have to deal with this. So that's that's a whole new set of challenges with new resources. But uh, I do I do see the point about trade reporting being being mature. Buddy, Ralph, any perspective on how you think this is going to go? Who's prepared? Who isn't? I think the industry has got uh, a barbell kind of thing going on here with on one side of the firms that got prepared and got ready and have been looking at this. And you know, when I look at at CAT, I, you know, our first engagement on CAT was in 2015. I mean, that tells you how long this has been contemplated and talked about and moved now to an implementation phase. And firms like like Davidson with folks like Mark got ready, took it seriously, looked at it and said, this is a big deal for us. And they're a larger firm. They've, they've got more moving parts than maybe some other firms. But there are still firms that don't seem quite ready for the part that took place a couple of years ago. And so I think you're going to see some catching up in the in the smaller firms. I think the introducing firms are going to learn what they can rely on their clearing firms for and what they can't. Um, and I think they're going to figure that out while, while Mark is well down the, the path of case. And so I think we, we see that uh, across the industry where there's some very prepared folks, some, some on it uh, types of firms. And then there's firms that just are really figuring it out. And Ralph's more in the weeds, obviously, than I am on this. But Ralph, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you've hit on a couple of things that I would, would have already highlighted. And that is, you know, the industry is is still struggling to figure out the cat transactional side of this. And we've got uh, a, a huge mountain in front of us with case. You know, case presents its own separate and distinct uh, issues across the board. I think how a firm surveils that is is going to be a challenge just because of what uh, Jeff has mentioned with the multiple departments that are involved and the understanding that are, that that may or may not be in those departments uh, as to what the real issues are. It, but if you're asking me, you know, what I'm concerned about the most. I think one of the things that Fenner has turned off right now is material inconsistencies. And when they turn that validation back on in April, I think it's April 8th of 2024, industry members are going to be faced with the unknown. They don't know how many material inconsistencies they have against other broker dealers that may have a mutual client across the industry. And that seems like a really short window to me to clean all of those potential rejects up. I think what a firm should certainly be focused on right now is cleaning up their own internal material inconsistencies across their own clients. And, you know, I'm not sure where a lot of folks are on that or in that process of doing that, but that will help reduce material inconsistencies that they have across the industry itself. Um, Mark, is, is that something that you're concerned about as well as an industry? Uh, I know that you know we're, we're providing you some of those tools to clean up some of the internal inconsistencies that you may have in your own data, but what do you think this is going to look like from April 8th until March 24th? Excuse me, May yeah, 24th. And I, 
Yeah, and yeah, the years kind of blend together now, Ralph. Um, I think that's huge, right? And I think that that's where firms are are really struggling, right? Um, you know, we we saw a lot of material internal material inconsistencies, right? Both in our own and you know, looking at our core books and records for account information. Um, you know, I did get a phone call from Finra Trade Reg asking me about birth dates, uh, birth years. Remember, we fought against reporting the full birth date, right? So now we only have to report a year of birth in the case, which was a, a big win for us, right? The problem with that is, is I had year of births of both 1900 and 1800. So I, you know, I explained to Finra Trade Reg that DA Davidson has a phenomenal client wellness plan. So, you know, we do have, you know, we do have clients that have, but, but again, this was, this, this hits at the core of what case is, right? And I think the main thing is, is how they opened up the definition of customer, right? Um, we have KYC obligations to our clients, our account holders, our beneficial owners. Customers now include my brother that has a power of attorney on my account that is not known to Davidson other than a single power of attorney form. And I need his year of birth and I need his social security number and his address as well. We found a lot of inconsistencies, Ralph, and that's what we've engaged you all in to say, with beta reporting out the door for us, where are you seeing differences in what should be the same natural person? The TID value is unique. That's what FINRA is hinging everything on to identify a unique legal entity or natural person across every single reporting firm, right? And that that's huge. What firms need to be focused on are their internal inconsistencies because as we discussed at length, FINRA made a huge it, a huge system issue. The reason the case has been delayed, regardless of what anyone tells you, is that FINRA went into it and said, well, people know one John Smith. No, they don't. If John Smith has 10 accounts at DA Davidson, he's got 10 different instances of John Smith with 10 instances of his social security number and 10 instances of addresses that may or may not be the same, right? We are an account-centric based system like it or not. FINRA designed the case to be customer-centric. I know this because when I submitted 58,000 DA Davidson legal entity records and they all rejected back in October of last year, right? That's not how it works. That's why the case is delayed, full stop, right? And and But if firms don't have their own house in order, right? The material inconsistencies, to your point, Ralph, is, is going to be glaring. The only real material inconsistencies we have is year of birth, right? That's it. Um, we got the rest of it thrown out, right? They wanted to compare legal names back in the day, right? We said you can't do that, right? Um, but I think that's where the questions are going to come in from the examiners. I have 10 instances of John Smith. Explain why I have these different addresses. We know the answers to this, right? And and quite simply, it's the country song. I'm not as good as I once was, right? If I set up one John Smith account 10 years ago and he said that he was employed by another FINRA broker-dealer member firm and I coded his account correctly and then Merrill Lynch fired him, right? 
he's still, unless he tells me he no longer works for a FINRA broker dealer, I still have him as being employed by another FINRA broker dealer. I mean, that is simple as that. And that's where, and that's related to customer types. Those are not material inconsistencies. If I report someone as an accredited investor that they told me they were accredited five years ago and Stiefel sets up John Smith on their books and records, they ask the question and whether or not he's no longer accredited or he lied to them and said, I'm not, we're going to have them coming in and questioning us why Stiefel has, which they would never tell us, John Smith that's not accredited. They're going to ask to look at my account paperwork and say, okay, I asked the question, I coded him as accredited five years ago. And they're like, okay, well, he's not accredited anymore. It's like, okay. And you apparently think the response rate to my 36 month letter where I'm asking the question is what? More than 9%? Come on. I'm not as good as I once was, but we're gonna have to answer all those questions and firms need to be prepared for that. I'm definitely looking forward to the reckoning of how FINRA has based everything on an account up until now. And now they've uh, suddenly become client-centric in the platform. Um, and I do think this could be, you know, a lot of phishing excursions by regulators could could start occurring. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's my concern too, buddy. And I think... You know, that's that's not only at the data level. Um, obviously, if if we have 10 instances of John Smith and five of them are coded as accredited or uh, an employee of another broker dealer, we can, you know, we rely on you all to show us what those inconsistencies are, right? And that's where firms really need to look at that. If they're account-centric and not customer-centric, they need to be aware that FINRA is going to come in and say, why, why do you have John Smith with the same social security number being reported five times with accredited and five times without? And firms need to be prepared to answer that question. Is your own house in order, right? We could continue this discussion for hours, days. Um, <laughs> that, that There's so much here. Clear, clearly, firms need to be proactive. This is requiring diligence, new processes, new new resources, additional resources. There, there's so much to focus on. But the intent of CAT and CASE is to improve surveillance capabilities. So maybe as a way to wrap up today, knowing that we're going to have to come back with multiple more sessions, just let's look through the crystal ball. What should we expect from FINRA and the SEC in the second half of next year, assuming this all goes live? Are we going to be overwhelmed with inquiries? Is it they use the world's largest database to start firing out questions? I mean, what's life going to be like? I don't know. I'm hoping they don't get budget for more staffing, right? I I really, (laughs) it's going to be more. It's, I mean, no doubt this is going to be more, whether it's trade reporting or whether it's case reporting, right? I mean, and I understand I understand why this came about, right? I mean, OATS was not complete, I understand that. But I think that the, the byproduct of this is that firms need to be prepared for those inquiries. And I think most ironically, right? And, and I'm sure other firms would, uh, would confirm this, and let's forget about blue sheet retirement. P.A. Davidson was just subject to two state examinations, right? And another SEC examination where they asked me for a trade blotter. 
and the dates were after June of 2020. So invariably, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, why are you asking me for a trade blotter if you have access to the cat data, right? And that's where that's where I think the industry really needs to have a strong voice in their advocacy to say, look, you're double dipping, right? You're you're inquiring on how we're doing our cat reporting, and then separately you have sales practice exams that are asking us for trade blotters. And with the advent of the case, and let's not forget the case is live. I mean, this whole delay is a joke. The the obligation three that occurred in December is that every firm has to report to the case any cap reportable accounts. That's any account that had cap reportable activity on or after June 12th. That hasn't changed. That's why FINRA is reaching out to firms who have not reported all the FDIDs they're seeing on the cat trade reporting side. I, I mean, I see this as is slowly gaining steam and I think we're getting a bit of a breather on the case side, but I think once case goes live, the floodgates are going to open, you know, as as Buddy said, right? Those fishing expeditions are going to start. It's only going to be a, a factor of how many plucky little examiners they have that just got out of, you know, a four-year finance degree that they put into an office and said, go bother Mark at DA Davidson for six months because he's got time. Um, real quick, have you had to increase your resources around this to, as it's evolved? Are you planning to? We have. We've done two things. We've taken a hit because you guys said it before, right? I mean, this is not this is not some young person in new accounts. This is someone who understands what books and records rules are, right? Because we had to fight those battles. So these were senior resources that had to be. I mean, I've I've spent eighty percent of my time over the last five years on the cat right, as one of the most senior people at Davidson from a trade reporting and, and frankly, operations side. And we have had the staff for that. Um, we've we've hired uh, three. It's going to be going on four people. That's four new hires, brand new, and the salaries to go along with them. Not to mention the hits that we took on our own, you know, discretionary projects, right? What didn't I work on, right? over the last five years that would have benefited Davidson, right? Either in capturing new assets under management or cost savings through automation. All of that got thrown by the wayside. This is not, people talk about cat fees. Really? Talk about cat fees? How many tens of millions of dollars have I spent in giving free consulting services to the examiners in the development of cat? The cat fees are are minuscule. And I know some people disagree with that, like Merrill Lynch, who I know is going to shoulder a heavier burden. But that the, the cat fees, we are never going to recoup from how much we've spent in time and treasures just helping them get this off the ground. So, And I, I think you have that. And it, they really haven't transitioned the industry to a new way. It's just been and, and, and not instead of. And I know Oats is gone, but you know, to Mark's point, they have this database at their fingertips. One, I'm afraid they're going to start using it and not really know exactly what they're doing and draw some poor conclusions. I think that's likely. The next time the market falls 9% in a couple of minutes, will they know what caused it? I mean, I think that will be an interesting question as well. I mean, that was really the whole genesis of 
of the cat, or maybe not the genesis of the cat, but the 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 rationale for approving the cat uh, was the flash crash. And I I think it's this has become an and thing, not an or or instead of. And I think we need to kind of get the industry to continue to push for this to become a transition, uh, not just another thing. Right, right, because it it's it's and more costs right it's it's having to support these separate inquiries that we're still getting for trade blotter information and i understand that not all products are covered right we we do understand that i'm not advocating that we add mutual funds and fixed income you can please edit that out because if anyone heard me say that we'd have benefits adding fixed income and mutual <laughs> funds to the cat i would be drawn and quartered i'm sure by my <laughs> by my peers at the other firms. But but again, it is still an and, and it needs it, there needs to be that transition. I think that's where Davidson has continued to be a strong advocate, pushing back on the SEC and even at the congressional level, because all they're doing is adding cost to the end inv- investor. And that's really a, you know, a good way to look at this. But the fact is, is that ultimately the people that have to pay for this are the end investors, right? And then people tell me, well, you know, there's institutions too. Well, who do you think the institution's clients are, right? It's someone's 401k that worked their ass off to get it, and they're going to have to pay more because of the cat. And frankly, I don't think the cost benefit is any way, shape, or form, flash crash or otherwise justified for how much we're paying for this. And that's just unfortunate. I don't know if anybody has any additional parting comments. Uh, Mark, I just want to thank you for your time today. It has been a pleasure to spend this hour with you. um, And it's been a pleasure to work with you over the past uh, three and a half years. Look forward to doing a lot more with you in the future. No, I, and Ralph, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, um, you know, the decision to, to partner up with you guys back, you know, even before cat trade reporting, um has has paid dividends that i didn't even anticipate and and that includes all the work you've done for us on the case reporting side as you know that wasn't really on my radar until someone asked me and i'm like well i don't know maybe i should ask ralph and and now we're looking at a whole case you know portion of the the oyster application that is as you know from saima who's heading this up from operations um you know can't live without and I think it's ironic too that you know some of our our cat reporting agents, including members of Finra Cat, have seen the Oyster case application and said, "Hey, what are you guys using?" So I think that's a, that's a testament, right? Um, and it's a, a you know it's a testament to you know my intelligence on picking the right vendor. At least that's what I tell my boss. So, and air intelligence on listening to you when you tell us what you want. <laughs> exactly, buddy. But thank you, Ralph. It's uh, it's been painful, but it's been nice being able to share some of that pain too. So, Mark, buddy, Ralph, thank you very much. This was a great discussion. We plan to be back with more. Clearly, there's a lot to talk about here, and as we learn and the industry evolves, we'll we'll try to keep everybody posted. So, thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our experts and how Oyster can help your firm, visit our website at oysterllc.com. And if you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.